Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's good to worship together. Uh, I've been away for a few weeks. The Lord called me to a tropical paradise for a couple weeks. Um, but here I am again. My name is Paul, if you don't know me. I'm a pastor here at GVF. I uh, wanted to share just a few moments in the midst of worship and setting our hearts for the year where we want to head. Uh, I want to take a few moments to talk about something that I've been talking to the staff and elders and other pastors in the area about. And uh, the, the story is, um, uh, well, it's the oldest story. It begins like this, Genesis chapter 1. Um, God gives us a picture of, of relationships and health and life and work and like even husband-wife relationships, parent-kid relationships. Um, everything in life fits together and it's woven together in this fabric that the Hebrew word for is shalom. Now you might have heard shalom means peace, which it does, but it doesn't just mean the cessation of war. It means the way things are supposed to be. That we get this picture of the way things are supposed to be. It's called the Garden of Eden. And it's a world that, that's without hatred and without sexism, without lust, without racism, without abuse, without greed, without sin. And we can hardly, hardly wrap our minds around it. It's this beautiful, pristine picture, but it sounds like a fairy tale because we've never seen anything like that in our lives. And at the center of this fabric called Shalom is an intimate, personal relationship with a God who is outside of space and time, and yet somehow they can walk with God in the cool of the evening. Like as intimately as a family walk after dinner. That's what it's like to know God in that place. And then in Genesis chapter 3, all of that is flushed down the proverbial toilet, right? And whether you believe in a literal Adam and Eve and snake in the garden stuff, I happen to. But whether or not you do, you know that this is true. That humanity fell, that things are not the way they're supposed to be, that there's something really, really wrong with our world. And for the next eight chapters of Genesis and for the rest of world history, it's been proven again and again. In Genesis, we see murder and hatred and racism and sexism and slavery and domination and oppression and people abusing each other all over the place after that moment. And what's God's solution? In Genesis chapter 12, he finds a man named Abram, who would later be called Abraham. And he says to him, a command, out of nowhere, go. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave everything you have behind. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave everything you know. And I want you to go. Where am I supposed to go, God? I'll show you when we get there. And unbelievably, this guy named Abraham believes God and does it. He just acts like shockingly acts on faith. When God says, go, he doesn't even know where he's going, but he, he follows. And when God gives a command, he also gives a promise with that. And I want you to see this promise. This is Genesis chapter 12. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So in this new relationship with God, God's going to give us a picture of blessing, that initial shalom, just a taste of it. He says, I'm going to start redoing what, what's been undone in this world. And it's going to start with this man who believed me. And here's the thing I want you to see. Here's the question I want us to reflect on as we head into 2015. Why did God bless Abraham? 
Why? Was it because he was smarter than everyone else? It's possible, but the text doesn't say that. Was it because he was more moral, more honest than other people? Well, no. If you read the rest of the text, you find out that he's a big fat liar. Was it because he was better looking? We don't know. We know that his wife was a hottie, even in her old age. The Bible says so. When the Bible says you're good looking, you're good looking. Was it because he somehow earned God's favor? It says no. He was the son of a pagan. So why? Well, if you read these two verses, it tells us why. You will be a blessing so that all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. The reason God blessed Abraham was so that the whole world could be blessed by God, so that the whole world could come to have a relationship with God again, so that the whole world could start to know and see what life is supposed to be like. Here's a question I'd like you to ask today. Why has God blessed you? Why did God choose you to be here? You know, I've said this multiple times, and I want you to not forget this. We live in one of the wealthiest counties, in one of the wealthiest states, in one of the wealthiest countries, in the wealthiest time period in human history. We have more freedom more purchasing power, more education, more opportunities, and more disposable income than any other people in any other time in any other place ever. And if you've read the passages I've read about those who've been given much, much will be expected. That God's given us a trust, a talents, gifts, and that someday we have to answer for that, that should send a chill down your spine. So I ask you, why has God blessed us? And if you're a Christian, that's just the tip of the iceberg, right? You have all this stuff, all this opportunities. But we know that in Christ, we have forgiveness. We have the gospel. We have the spirit. We have have power to live. We have a mission of God to live on. We have purpose in our life. We have everything in Jesus Christ. So I ask you again, why has God blessed us? Is it because we're so great? Is it because we're smarter than everyone else in the world? Because we're so good-looking? Because we tan really well? Or is it, may I suggest to you, that God's blessed us so that we can be a blessing to the world? There's a church leader, pastor named Dave Ferguson. He pastors a church in Chicago, started a church planning network called New Thing. And, uh, and he has worked with this idea, and he actually did a study, asked the question, if God's initial plan to reach the world, to, to unfold, to show the world what shalom looks like, what the kingdom of God looks like, what a relationship with God looks like, was to be a blessing. Now, it was a blessing strategy that Abraham would be blessed, and through him the world would be blessed. What if that strategy was still work today? What if we tried to use that? And so he talks about this study that was done. It was in Chiang Mao, Thailand. Never heard of it. But. And it was, there's a big doctoral dissertation. And it was over these two groups of missionaries that went there at the same time, the same period, the same city. Okay? And the question was this. There were two groups of people there. And the, the two missionary groups had two distinctly different strategies. One they called the blessers. And one they called the converters. So the first group, the converters there, they came in. Their strategy was very, very focused. We are here to tell people the gospel and get them converted, get them saved. 
get them to say, I believe in Jesus Christ. The blessers went with a different strategy. They too believed in the gospel, believed that they wouldn't see people come to know Jesus as their Lord. But their goal was not first that. It was to be a blessing to everyone there. So they, they invested medically and then they improved the job climate. They added education. They, they blessed the communities they were in. And so they studied these two mission groups over, over a time period, over years and years and years. And here's a couple of things they found in that study. The first thing was this, social good. Of course, the converters weren't trying to cause any social good, and the result was that they had almost none. The blessers, on the other hand, changed the culture. The people, they were, they were instrumental to their communities. Their communities loved them and knew them and cared about them because they added education and value to their community. They blessed everyone around them. Then the next question was conversions. How many conversions came out of this? And here's the fact. They found that over that same time period, it was a 50 to 1 ratio. That by blessing people, people came to see the goodness of our God and came to know him and worship him and love him. So Dave Ferguson asked, and he's implemented this in their church um, multiplication network, and and we are actually implementing this with two other churches in Phoenixville this year. We're going to talk about what does it mean to be a blessing to our community. We have this really simple acronym that we're going to work off. It's BLESS. And it's simply this. What does it mean to bless our community this year? One, begin with prayer. Begin with prayer. That we believe that any hearts that are changed, anything that's going to happen in our community has to happen through God, because of God, by God. That we need to begin on our knees. The second thing we want to do is we want to listen. We don't want to talk. We actually want to listen to people around us. Listen to our community. Find out what's going on. Find out their real needs. Find out their real hurts. Find out what God's doing in them. Maybe we can learn from them. This is my favorite one. Eat. That lives are changed in relationship. And relationships happen around a table or over a good cup of coffee. The better the cup of coffee, the better the relationship, I always say. Serve. And after you've, listened, after you've prayed for them, after you've listened to them, after you've eaten with them, you know how to serve them. And so we're going to serve them. And then last, but certainly never to be forgotten, is that when you've earned the right, we want to share the story about how Jesus has changed our lives. So this is what we're going to be talking about for the next oh, year. We're going to be going through this strategy of how do we bless Phoenixville. And today I just want to start with the first one. I want to begin with prayer. So we're just going to take a few minutes today to pray for our community. I'm going to ask if you would, if you dim the lights a little, if you play something for us. And I'm specifically going to ask you to do something that might be a little awkward to you. I want you to, to acknowledge God's presence with your body, with your mind, with your heart. If you're comfortable doing this, sit up in your chair, close your eyes. And I, I'd even encourage you to, to set your hands out on your lap with your palms up. Just a sign of expression that you're open to God. a moment to just know that he's here that he's closer than you can imagine that he can see inside your soul that all those things you think are secrets are not secrets 
he knows your longings and he knows your hurt and he knows the good and the bad here in the presence of a holy God I ask you to just reflect on how has God blessed you what are the gifts and the talents and the opportunities and the relationships what are the things that he's giving you how has he blessed you If you're a believer, think of how he's blessed you in Jesus Christ. How he's forgiving you. How he's loved you. How he's giving you a new name. How he's giving you his spirit. How he's promised sure hope that Christ is coming back for you. Thank him for these things. Take a moment to ask God why he's blessed you, what he wants you to do with your talents and your time and your skills and your passions in this next year. Finally, ask God if he's laying someone or some group or some place on your heart right now some group that he wants you to bless in this 2015. Pray a blessing for those in your life right now, those at work, those in your family, those in this church, your neighbors that you might not even know their names yet. Father, I pray that in this next year, we will be a church that glorifies you by acting like your son, that we will pour out our lives for others, that though he had all the power, Lord, he never used it for himself, but poured out his life for us. And I pray, Lord, that we will do the same for those around us. God, I pray that we will be a blessing to our community and most, mostly to your name. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.